0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast.
1: I hope you enjoy the teaching. That's great. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'm going to give you this. Would you guys welcome Wendy Bartell, if you would? So, um, Wendy is our artist-in-residence for this month. And so if you're new to Awaken, um, every other month or so... Uh, We try to have an artist in residence who brings some of their art to Awaken. Uh, This comes from a sort of larger belief and understanding about God and who God is as a creative God, and we're made in the image of this God. So every single one of us in the room, whether you're an accountant, a realtor, or you paint, has a creative impulse. We all create. Uh, And so part of that is we want to bring art into our gatherings and uh, give artists a chance to share a little bit, and hopefully gives you a chance to interact and hear, maybe in a different way, uh, something from God. So, um, Wendy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you come from? Brothers, sisters, you know, parents, social security number, anything you want.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, I, my family's actually here today. They're right down here in the
1: front. Welcome to Bartels, everybody.
0: Um, (laughs) uh, I was born in Canada. I'm the second of nine children.
1: Holy cats.
0: So, yeah, that's fun. And um, yeah, so we lived there till I was like nine, then we moved down to rural Minnesota, where I've lived most of my life.
1: Okay, so you're one of our friendly neighbors to the north. Yes. Canadians, the Canucks. (laughs) 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 Uh, Wendy, tell us um, a little bit about what you do in terms of art and maybe like how that got started for you.
0: Yeah, so actually I started drawing pretty much since I could hold a pencil. My mom can attest to the fact that I tried things out on her walls and furniture. Awesome. So that was fun. Um, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, so I've pretty much always loved drawing and painting. Painting I started later, maybe like in middle school or something. Um, So it's kind of always been a little bit a part of who I am. And uh, then uh, actually recently I've started taking it more like seriously. So last year I was in Italy. And um, I was there with a missions organization for three months. And, um, yeah, like, God really called out in me again, like, the artist. Like, mm. I kind of, like, had put it aside. I was like, that's not super important. For some reason, I thought that. Anyway. Mm. Um, and so, he called it out. I mean, he's like, hey, I've given you this gift for a reason. Let's use it for yeah. my kingdom. And so, i kind of been, like, I don't know, like, letting myself be passionate about it again. So, that has been fun. Um, but, yeah, I started painting I kind of I like impressionism, so it's kind of like my cool. style now. I like just like playing on textures and like movement in paint, so yeah,
1: so with that, mm-hmm. talk about how for you, kind of your expression as an artist and faith connect like what's yeah the-
0: that's big, so actually for me, visual art is kind of like communication, like and it's ex- an expression of like what I'm feeling or seeing or whatever, and so a lot of the paintings that I create are based off of something that God has either taught me through Scripture or just, like, through life, like, mm-hmm. observing other, other people. So maybe, like, I'll be reading in Scripture, and I'll be like, oh, my goodness, look at this picture here of mm-hmm. this. And so, like, try to express that visually yeah. to kind of, like, give it a different, I don't know, perspective, I guess, on different truths. Yeah. So that's kind of huge for me. And then I really like, I love sharing story, and I think that art is, like, a huge way to share story. Yeah. I think God is all about relationship. And uh, so it's fun to see, like, to kind of explore, like, what does relationship look like and how can we express that visually and, like, get a different grasp of what that means mm-hmm. to be in relationship with God and with each other. So I kind of... Does that make sense? Yeah, anyway, totally. So, yeah. I think so. That's what I'm
1: about. Very cool. So Wendy is going to be... Uh, her um, art will be on display in the back for this month. Uh, and we're working on maybe a couple of live paintings in the next couple weeks. So as you are... Uh, in the next few moments, we'll invite you to greet each other, step back, take a look. Uh, after the gathering, stay look as long as you like. Um, I think some of it is sculpture, so uh, you know, touch as it's appropriate, but maybe be careful because maybe some of it could break. Um, but if you would, let's thank Wendy for being here this week. Wendy. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I'll invite you guys to stand if you would, greet some of the people around you if you need a refill on coffee or water, uh, and we will be back in just a moment with a teaching. All right, friends, if you want to gather around, find your seats, that would be awesome. I always hate to break up these conversations. <clears throat> I guess somebody's got to do it. Well, my name is Micah. If we have not met, I am the lead pastor here at Awaken. My joy and honor, um, and I do mean honor. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get there, but if you need time to process where we're going, now you know. Put your finger in that spot there. And... Uh, Welcome to kickoff Sunday, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the kickoff to the football season today as well. Is that true? No? Yes? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? Is today the first regular season game? Thursday. Thursday. I saw somebody wearing a Packers jersey. Ooh. Oh, wow. There, there you are. Ken's got Yeah, you Packers. That's great. That's great. <laughs> The Gophers won, if you're a Gopher fan, that's big. Okay, enough dumb sports analogies. Um, So I wore a tie today because it's kickoff Sunday. I figured I'd dress up. That's how we do it around here. So every year, uh, every year around this time of year, we try to sort of uh, revisit a couple of things. We press pause or we circle the wagon and sort of come back to home base, if you will, And we do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, and we've talked about this before, in the scriptures we find God continuously saying to the people, remember, 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 which uh, I would argue sort of leads us to confirm the the suspicion that we are forgetful people, so we forget things. Um, But also because uh, uh, there's a guy named Andy Stanley, he's a pastor and uh, author and speaker, and he says that vision leaks. So if you are uh, a manager of a team of people or you own a business or you're a leader in some capacity, some way, shape, or form, um, vision leaks. And if you have a group of people that you're leading, part of the job of the leader is to always be reminding the people of where you're going, why you exist, what you're doing. Uh, If you're anything like me, sometimes I come into a place like church, which sort of becomes habitual, right? You do it every Sunday or or every Saturday or whatever your rhythm is. Um, And you sit down and you maybe sometimes think, Why are we doing what we're doing? Has anybody ever thought that before? Like, why do we sing? Or why do we do this? Or why is it that way? Uh, And I think it's good to stop every now and again and to just answer that question. Like, what are we doing here? And so every year in the fall, we want to do that. When we talk about this in our our planning meetings, we, we call this the mission, vision, and values series. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing that. We're going to just stop Remind ourselves at Awaken who we are, uh, how we got here, why we do the things the way we do them, and hopefully remind us of exactly what it is that we're doing. Um, My hope and prayer is that the values and the mission and the vision of Awaken is consistent with the experienced reality. My hope is that when people come to Awaken, what we say we value is actually congruent with what is actually experienced in your life day-to-day life when you come here. Um, I'm sure we've all been to that church or that business where the stated values don't line up with the actual experience that you have. So, for example, if you go to a business that says that they value customer service, but the moment you have a question, you'd swear that the people who are working are annoyed by you, right? Or or if they say they value customer service and then you're looking for someone and you can't find anyone with an orange t-shirt or an orange bib And you drapes around the entire store, and you're like, where are these people? Does anybody work here? (laughs) Hypothetically speaking, at your local home center. Um, Or the church that says that they value community, but nobody ever introduces themselves to you. Right? Or nobody ever invites you to their homes. Um, And I know... That I'm at risk even saying that this morning because it's possible that some of you have come here and we say, you know, there's this, I think it's over here, right? These are the words. There's a whole bunch of words over on this sheet of uh, this, this canvas things that we say that we value, and one of them's community. So, my hope and my prayer is, and, and so that this is actually a reminder, this is an invitation, because I can talk about the things that we say we value until I'm blue in the face. But those don't become real until we, together, collectively, actually live into them. Until we actually become people who welcome the stranger or the new person into our, into our community. Where we're hospitable. Or, I can say that we value prayer, but if we never actually pray together, and if we don't, value, we don't, we don't actually pray when we gather, then... And so this is a reminder, it's an invitation, that there exists, there exists a gap between what we say we value and what we say we're about and what people actually experience. And I love, I have loved thus far, um, I do, we do a little Discover Awaken class every once in a while for people who are new. And my first question at Discover Awaken is always, so what brought you here and why do you keep coming back? And I'm, I've been so encouraged because inevitably, in one way, shape, or form, the things that we, our stated values begin to show up. Things like authenticity, and honesty, and community, and being missional people in the world. And so what I want to do this morning, in the, the beginning of this series, is talk about one of these words, which is mission. So mission... And, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about mission. I want to get us all kind of on the same page and then look at a couple of stories that I think have a, a motif that speaks to this, and we'll just kind of see where that takes us. So when we talk about mission, vision, and values, it's important to define words, right? I could say conservative, and depending on where you come from and what you assume I mean by conservative it actually then defines what I'm saying, right? But if that's not what I mean, then I'm using the word differently. So when I say mission, what do I mean? So this is an all-play. When I say the word mission, how would you define that, or what do you think I'm talking about? Just go ahead and shout it out from wherever you are. Objectives. Okay. Louder. It's hard to hear up here, and I have a cold. Say it again. (laughs) What? Tom Cruise. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Mission. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. He's doing another one of those videos, is he not? There's a new one coming out. It's like does this, does this storyline ever get old? I guess not. It's like 24. It's like 24, right? Jack Bowers, not going to die. The bad guys are. You know, game over. Okay. Mission. What do I mean when I say that? Purpose. What else? Direction. Service. I heard one other one back there. No? Anything else? Say it again. Helping. Okay. So mission. Mission. What do we mean when we say mission? I want to suggest for this morning that mission answers the questions, why do we exist? Not missions, like the church has a missions program or there are missionaries out in the world, but what's the mission of the church? So church, or mission answers the question, why do we exist? So to talk about mission at Awaken is at once to sort of fly at 30,000 feet, right? It's to ask a question about the big C church, the church in general, And specifically, the church called Awaken, because we are a part of the larger church. So why do we exist? And if you didn't know this, there's an IV drip that we have going at Awaken. It's the beginning of every gathering that we have at this church. For a long time, we've called it the vision video. I think we should maybe change the name to the the mission video, because it really gets at the mission of our church. So the video that, that begins every gathering, if you've ever been here before... Um, I think recently it has the, the voice of a young girl. It ends with the mission of this church and why we exist. And it is this, I would say it in this way. Part, to partner with God in the ongoing work of redemption by demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus. So to partner with God in the ongoing work of redemption by demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus. And actually, uh, you know, I think we've, we've, we've changed the, the wording of that a little bit because I think it makes more sense That we partner with God in the work of redemption, and then we do that by demonstrating and announcing. So there's a couple of words I want to highlight in this mission statement before we jump into the scriptures. One is to partner, or partner. To partner requires or assumes that there's been an invitation to work together, right? When two people partner on something, the assumption is that there's an invitation for those two people to work together. We begin with, I begin with the assumption from Scripture that God has invited a group of people in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to work and participate in the story of redemption. Ephesians 3 says this, His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God be made, to the, be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. That God has invited a group of people, God has done something in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then invites a group of people to participate in that work ongoing. So we begin with the assumption that there's an invitation that's been given by God to the church, those who follow Jesus. Jesus. So first you have partner, then you have demonstrate. Scripture says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So to demonstrate is essentially to uh, the definition, uh, according to the interwebs, which knows everything, is to clearly show the existence or truth of something by giving proof or evidence. So to demonstrate is to give proof or evidence by action or by some sort of uh, the existing truth, and then you demonstrate that. You, you, you essentially give proof or evidence for that thing that exists. So to demonstrate means that our lives and our actions, our way of living in the world, would be a testimony to the love of God that we've experienced in Jesus. And that when we have a chance, we would demonstrate, we would emulate, we would be, Paul says, ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. So we partner, because God is invited, by demonstrating demonstrating and announcing. Now, announcing is a little bit more tricky for, I'll speak specifically for me, but I don't assume that I'm the only one who, who has reservations about this. Uh, that when given the chance, we would give reason for the hope we have in Jesus, right? This is proclamation in the old school. This is kerygma. This is the announcement, the proclamation with word, the hope of Jesus. Um, in traditional terms, this may be called evangelism. Now, for me, when I think of evangelism, I immediately see bullhorn guy. You know this guy? And I was thinking about this in prep. I was like, or bullhorn gal. But I've never seen a bullhorn gal. the, the, The person on the street corner with the bullhorn like screaming into the microphone about turn or burn, you're gonna go to hell if you don't believe this or that, that's bullhorn guy, okay? You all tracking with me now? And I was thinking, I've never seen bullhorn gal, which is an interesting human study. Either way... When I think of evangelism, I immediately go there. And if that's what evangelism means, for me, I start to get hives. I start to get sweaty, a little nervous. I get, I'm like, I don't want to be that. Whatever that is, I don't, I don't want it. I don't like it. Now, for lots of different reasons, can God use that? Sure, absolutely. You know, the the, the, Pharisees, the, the, the apostles come to Jesus at one point. And they're like, these people who aren't on our team are talking about you. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, let, let me deal with that. Can God use it? Yes, absolutely. Do people come to know God through that? Possibly, maybe. I don't know. I just think there might be a better way to do evangelism. We have to remember that part of the invitation to love with our lives is to also bear witness to. By bearing witness, if you get called into a courtroom and you're a witness, you like give word, you sort of You bear witness to whatever it is they're asking you about or whatever the the topic is. So to bear witness means that there has to be words connected to it at some point or another. 1 Peter 3 says, Always be ready to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So when we talk about why does this church exist, what are we doing here? Large 30,000 feet overview. The church is partnering with God in the invitation that we've received by demonstrating with our lives and announcing the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about this all the time. The kingdom of God is among you. It's within you. It's here. It's now. It's available to you. This is the job of the church. And so, therefore, this is the job of Awaken. Now, that's the big level. Let me sort of move down to a more specific or on the ground. How do we imagine that to happen? What does that look like for us at Awaken? What's the language that we've used to describe that? And I would invite you to go no farther than the name of our church. Awaken. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When we dreamt about this place, when we first had it in our minds, this idea of people waking up to God's dream for the world, their communities, and their own lives, was the language that captured our hearts. What does it mean to wake up to something that God is doing? Have you ever had that kind of an experience where there was a moment, maybe you were going along, maybe you've known who God is, maybe you've said yes to Jesus, maybe you had a moment at camp, maybe it was born. you were born into it, whatever language you would use, and then all of a sudden you come along and there's a moment where you become alive and awakened to something that you didn't see before. And what would it look like for a community of people to assume that that's what God is up to? That's what God is doing. That's what God is inviting you to anytime, every time, whenever we have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. That God is about waking us up to what does it mean to be fully human? What does it mean to be all that God created us to be? What does it mean to live in this world in a way that honors the God that made it? What does it mean to wake up? So, Genesis chapter 28. I want to look at a couple of stories along the way here. I I think the scriptures are asking this question often. So if you have uh, your hands in this text, we'll read a couple of different ones. Um, Starting in verse 10 of Genesis 28, it says this. Jacob left Beersheba and he set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. And to the south, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Do you guys remember where Jacob is in the story here? He's fled, well, he st- stole the birthright of his brother. He fled, he went to his, his his uncle. Now he's making his way back to see his brother for the first time, right? So he's been on the run. He's sort of a misfit. He's, uh, uh, all of the promises that God had given to Israel and Abraham uh, along the way, if I'm Jacob, are sort of up in the air at this point, right? And this is what God shows him and says to him. And he wakes from asleep sleep in verse 16, and he says, surely The Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. What a fascinating statement. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. There remains a possibility for us to go through our lives without ever realizing that we were in the presence of the divine. This is only made easier in our culture where we love to sort of separate things and put them into categories, and we often think that we have to go to a certain place or talk to a certain person in order to have a spiritual experience or be in the presence of God, right? i got to go to temple. i got to go to church. I have to go to the sanctuary. I have to go to camp and have this experience, This is not new to any of us, right? But many of us have spent our whole lives completely unaware of the fact that God is present in every moment, every situation, every conversation, every encounter in the city and in the country, in the office, on the job site, in our homes, in our neighbor's homes, in our country and in other countries. God is present everywhere at all times. And the wonder of this statement by Jacob is the truth that he becomes awakened to this fact that there is nowhere he could go that God wouldn't be present. Has anybody ever heard somebody say that, uh, you know, oh, I was at church this weekend and God just showed up. Anybody ever heard that before? That's terrible theology. It's completely inaccurate. It's not true. We show up We become awakened. Our eyes become opened to the God that is present in every waking moment. So the scriptures offer this motif. Like, what does it mean to wake up to something that you didn't see before? Not because God somehow miraculously showed up. You were alone before and now you're not. But rather, the scriptures are trying to tell us something that God God's presence is here and available to us in every single moment, every conversation. I would submit to you, and this is, this is a l- part of a larger conversation about good and evil in the world, I would submit to you, even in the worst horrific atrocities that, ex- that any of us ever experienced, God is present in even those moments. I would go as far as to say that God is not the one orchestrating those moments, Rather, that's that's the result of free moral agents in the world who actually can affect things. But God is present in those moments for us and with us. That's the promise of the scriptures. So the question for us isn't, is God's presence here for me in this moment? But rather, God, and I would invite you to pray this daring prayer when you wake up every day, show me. God, show me. I want to see Show me today. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. If it's true that God is present in every moment of every situation, every conversation, show me this is the prayer. Not, God, would you show up? God, would you be present? No, God already is. God, show me. Open my eyes. Which leads me to another story, if you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Acts 9, this is Paul the, uh, at this point The Pharisee, he's on the road to Damascus, and starting in verse 1, we read this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for him the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's, by the way, the Christians who are following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Beautiful storytelling. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. (laughs) See what the author's doing here? So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and he didn't eat or drink anything. It seems to me scripture is continually asking the question, can you see? The people in the scriptures that seem to have these moments where they're challenged to see the divine, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. The irony here with Paul is that there wasn't a man in Israel who appeared more able to see than Paul, right? He's the Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he is the religious person of religious people. He reminds me of Nicodemus, if you know this story in John 3, right? One of the teachers of Israel. He's one of the top teachers in Israel. And he comes to Jesus with these questions at night, which is just a fascinating story. But Jesus says to him, You are Israel's teacher, and yet you do not understand or you do not see these things. Paul begins to see the world and the divine all around him only when he's blinded. As soon as his eyes are closed, he can see. For the first time! Which leads us to a couple of maybe assumptions or understandings. That there's different kinds of seeing. Is there not? We can go through life and do life without ever actually seeing or participating in a, in a, in a kind of world, in an experience and a reality that is existing right next to, in the midst of this one. Paul, in this moment, wakes up to the reality that there is a new world, a new thing, a new work that God is doing, bursting forth right in the middle of this one. But it takes a certain kind of seeing to participate in it. Is anybody colorblind? Anybody in the room colorblind? No? Nobody? Couple? Okay, my dad was colorblind. And he'd always come on like, Sunday mornings when we were going to church, and he'd be like, hey, what color is this tie? We're like, it's red. Man, I thought it was brown. Or, what color the, are these socks? Dad, those are green. You're going to want to change them. Like, he, he just couldn't see it. And it was, it was there for the taking, but his eyes couldn't see it. Paul wakes up to a reality that is present and Here. Jesus says the kingdom of God is with you, it's in you, it's around you, it's near you, it's available to you. But it takes a certain kind of seeing. It takes a certain kind of posture, a certain kind of humility and faith, Scripture would say, to see the kinds of things that God is up to in our midst. And this posture, this one of humility and of servanthood Is not exactly always what we're looking for, or not exactly always what the world is offering. One last story Luke chapter 10, uh, excuse me, Luke 24, which is the first book of Acts, really. Luke is the same author, Luke and Acts. Luke 24, verse 17, begins this way. He asked them, Jesus asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? By the way, this is after the resurrection. The disciples, a couple of them are walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus says, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Pause. He seems a little indignant. Are you the only one in this town that doesn't know what's going on? If you know the end of this story, it's actually Jesus he's talking to. Can you imagine that when you're like, I can't believe I asked Jesus that. Like, hey, dumbbell, do you not know what's going on? It's actually Jesus. So are you the only one that doesn't know what's happening, that's happened in these days? What things, he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he was the one. He was Neo. Who was going to be, who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. (laughs) This is great. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. (sighs) So they knew the story. They knew that Jesus died. He was crucified. He was buried. That somehow he wasn't in the tomb, and yet... There was no possibility that it was him who was walking with them on the road to Emmaus. Like they weren't even looking for him. How many times have you been looking for someone or something and you imagine them, like maybe you've never met them before, you, you email and then you're going to meet up and you imagine what they look like and they walk in the building and you, they're like right in front of you. But you don't know, you're not looking for that person, you're imagining something else in your head. Or maybe it's somebody that you know has gotten their hair cut or they're dressed out of character and they're there, but you don't see them because you're not looking for them. You're looking for another version of them. The disciples here, they weren't even looking for Jesus. They saw him die, get buried, so there's no reason for the, him to be walking on the road with them, right? Except for the small fact that he told them he would die and rise again. Beside that, what happens when we're looking for God? What happens when we're anticipating that God will manifest God's self to us? What happens when we expect God to speak? How is your experience of coming to a worship gathering like this different when you expect God to say something to you? There's all kinds of things that are different when we expect something to happen. So this morning, as I close, what does it mean for you to wake up we began this church with this idea, this vision that God would be waking people up to new ways of being, new ways of acting, new realities, new understandings of who God is. So maybe this morning you, you're waking up is to the presence of God for the first time. That something has happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's for you. For the first time, you see that for what it is. Maybe you, you're waking up to the fact that there's something in your hands and that you have something to give. The scriptures talk about the people of God as a blessing in the world. From the very beginning... And if you are actually responding to the invitation of God to partner, that means that you're involved and there's something in your hands that you're good at, that you have a passion for, that God has created you to do specifically. And for the first time, you're wondering, what would it look like if I actually connected that to the work of God in the world? What would it look like for me to go to my workplace, whatever it is, as an accountant, an actuator, a real estate agent, a doctor, a lawyer, who knows, but to, to connect your vocation, your work With the work of God in the world. That opens up all kinds of new possibilities. The way that you do your work in the world somehow now takes on new meaning. You nurse someone differently, you help someone plan their estate differently, with different values that that you assume and that drive what you do and what you say. You do your work as unto something greater. Maybe your waking up is serving in some way. You've come to this church for a couple of years and you've received and you've received and it's been wonderful. And now there's a waking up to, you know what, Community's two ways. It's receiving and giving. It's both ways. And so I want to do something. There are, you have sheets in your hands. You should have gotten them when you walk in. There is so much to do here at Awaken. There's no shortage of things. We want to invite you to consider some of those things. Maybe it's to lead a life group. Maybe it's to take a step in, in, a, in a direction you've never taken before that would cause you to sort of be challenged and stretched. Maybe it's waking up to a new way of being in a relationship with somebody. Maybe your spouse. Maybe a parent or a sister or brother where previously it was animosity and aggression and annoyance and there's something that's shifting in you. And it's now grace and mercy and forgiveness instead. You're waking up to something new. Maybe it's something else, I don't know. Maybe it's your resources. Maybe it's a different way of handling your money. I would just invite you to the possibility that this is what God is in the business of doing. Waking people up to new ways of being. more and, That look more and more and more and more like Jesus. And more and more and more what God created you to be and do in the world? And if you're open to that, what would it look like for you to step into it today? I'm going to offer a word of prayer. Um, I'll ask the worship team to come, and I'll offer a word of prayer. We'll have just a moment of silence. We assume that God's voice sometimes comes when other people stop talking. And so we'll give you that. We'll sing a few songs together together. Um, Do you know that when we sing, we're actually like sinking the air in the room and our bodies and this becomes like a communal experience? It's fascinating. I want to preach about that someday. I've been listening to learning about that. So we're going to try to unite our hearts and our voices as one and sing. So offer a word of prayer. God, as we take just a a moment of silence here and we ask humbly that you would speak, that you might wake us up to something new, something fresh, something life-giving. Maybe it's just one small step, God, but would you, um, to me, to my friends in the room, would you wake us up to a new way of being, a new way of seeing, a new way of, a new understanding that you are available in every moment of every breath that we take. And God, help us to just breathe that in, to experience you in new and fresh ways. So speak in this time of silence. Unite our hearts together as we sing, I pray. Friends, uh, before Jen comes and offers a blessing and benediction, um, just a reminder, all the people that lead ministries at Awaken are going to be in the gallery. They'd love to chat with you if you're interested at all in uh, waking up in a new way. Um, Today is Alia's last Sunday with us before she goes to France. And so we've been so grateful to have her um, lead us in worship. Uh, We're excited for what God's going to do in you. Um, So can we just say thank you to Alia?
0: You are in need of prayer this morning. Members of the prayer team will be waiting and would love to join you over to the left for prayer. Please stand and receive the benediction you already are. May you come to see that God is present in every moment and may you pray the bold prayer, God show me and God open my eyes. May you partner with God in the ongoing work of redemption by demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus, grace and peace.
1: Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com
0: or on Facebook at www.facebook.com
1: backslash Awaken Community. Or on Twitter Community. See
0: you next time.